to Light Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of trees. And I'm joined today by Eric. Uh, hello. Hello, hello, hello. Wow. So I, the other day, just had, I think, I believe, my day 77 in quarantine. Mm. How, Eric, are you doing now that we're, like, in 70-something days of isolation? I was just talking to fans about this i feel weird because i i think i mentioned on the show but like my job didn't stop so i just was working from home so like it's a weird feeling because people keep telling me they're having like mental breakdowns and i'm i'm like i don't know man i'm just watching tv uh working mm-hmm. eating seamless you know like i don't know like it's just like i i mean it's it, it's weird but, you know, I'm not I, I see, you know, obviously because of my job is the same, except I just don't go to the office. So I'm not having the same dramatic effect. The, the one thing I have noticed is that, like, I have. Oh, God, my alarm is going off. Sorry. Oh, uh, I'm not. You'd think I'd edit it out. <laughs> I won't. Go ahead. Sorry. No, don't, it's cool. Uh, but no, I have like I realized the other day, like it like I'll start my work week and. I won't like I'll get to the end of my work week and it'll just seem like it had it had been like one full day. It's just like I get like time just has no concept anymore. No, and my sleep schedule is wacky. Like yesterday I fell asleep at like seven, woke up at midnight, was up until three, fell asleep, woke up at seven AM, fell back asleep and woke up to record this. So I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Who cares? There's no rules. It is liberating in that sense, but also like people are dying everywhere, which um, is bad. In fact, well, that's the other weird, that's like the weirdest part of this whole thing for me is like, you know, we're in the epicenter of it in New York and it's just like, I don't, I don't go out, so I don't see the like devastation of it or anything. We're like it's so removed that you don't notice all the pro. I think that there's like this weird disconnect going on with it because you're not seeing. It's not like a a plague a century ago where you would just see people like dropping like flies or like you know you know see hospitals overcrowded and stuff. It's like if you're not in it at the hospital, you don't see all the devastation. So it's really easy to like feel like nothing's happening. Yeah, or I I saw someone describe it this way the other day where it's almost like the rapture happened because unless you have a close family member who died, more than likely, like I have a a very good friend who um, it's it's still like touch and go, but it seems like maybe she turned a corner and we're all like cautiously optimistic, but there was a period of time where it very, very much looked like she was going to die from COVID and she had just been at my birthday party. So like for me, that just seemed like she disappeared, which was very scary because the last time I saw her, she was fine, um, which was truly like a week before everything happened. Um, right. So it's bizarre in that sense. Yeah, it's just like a really strange thing. And it's like we're about to hit or you already topped 100,000 deaths. And it's like that's an unimaginable amount of, of anything, you know, and it's just yeah. like. I don't know. It's it's weird. And it's like, you know, you're totally removed from it. And so you just don't see it. And so, you know, it's it's a very strange feeling. And what's um, so scary is like in a country of it's like 300 million now, something like that. 
a hundred thousand people is a lot of people, but it's still like a drop in the bucket. So it's so scary to think that things could continue as normal, even though a hundred thousand people have died and we're seeing States reopen right now. We're seeing people flood beaches and parks. And it's so frightening because as, as you just said, a hundred thousand people, the New York times just published their names on their front page. And it's like Mm -hmm. incredible to see how many people have died, but relatively speaking in a country with our population, it would be very easy for people to continue on. Like nothing has happened. Yeah. I mean, we also have no idea. Like this is a brand new, it's not even like a brand new, it's like a totally brand new disease that we don't understand. So we have no idea if it's going to be like the flu and mutate and come back next year, like the flu does and kill another hundred thousand (laughs) or, there's just, we don't know. It's kind of, it's it's uncharted territory, which is kind of wild. Um, We're gonna talk about more of this in the the bad news section because yeah. there's all kinds of stories around COVID mutating and and you know appearing now in kids and stuff like that. Right. Um, so we'll get to that. But before we get to all the bad news, I wanted to get your recommendations if you have any. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, um, I've been watching, uh, the new season of billions is ongoing. So I've been watching that. (laughs) Of course you're Uh, addicted. Yeah. Yeah. It's very weird to watch a show actually week by week now. Mm. It's very like just waiting for it to drop and then like having to wait a week for it to come back is very strange. It's a very strange feeling. Yes. Um, but I, I like it. It's good. It's very good. Are you braced um, to see Ava? <laughs> oh my God. It's going to be next week. Next so, week. A friend of ours, very funny comedian, uh, Ava, is set to appear in Billions. Um, cool. That's going to be so strange. It's incredible. I mean, it's 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 going to be very uh, shocking to see, but like very cool. And I mean, very deserved. Like she's an incredible actress. She's so good. And I'm sure you've all seen her videos online. Ava Victor. Um, she's so good. Uh, yeah, I'm glad she got to film all that before everything went to hell. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> she's going to be in a couple episodes at least, which is cool. Um, other than that, I have been watching. I, I, it's so weird. Like you would think I would just be like, diving into a bunch of stuff, but I've just been rewatching old stuff. I just like, I rewatched all of, uh, my favorite show, psych. Oh my God, Eric. Uh, I rewatched all of psych. I have to cap eventually how many times you're allowed to talk about psych on the show. <laughs> I guess. I mean, you can try. I'll figure it out. <laughs> I'll find a way. You can't stop me unless you just like, just stop recording. <laughs> um, but uh, I just started rewatching House because I hadn't watched it in a long time. Thought it'd be a good chance to rewatch sure. House because uh, it's another, you know, is he basically still just... as lovingly cankerous as always. <laughs> oh yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, great. Um, and uh, yeah, so it's just been doing that, and I've been reading. I've been reading a lot because I'm gearing up to start. Um, uh, writing a paper so I can apply to grad school next year. So I've been diving into a few books by this, uh, sociologist I like, um, so I can shout them do... out. Uh, their name's Brett Clark. They're sociologists at uh, the university of Utah. They write a lot about, um, they're, uh, the Brett and this, uh, guy named John Bellamy Foster at Oregon are two people who are considered some of the leading, like, sociologist and uh social theorist behind um uh ego marxism they they basically have been putting forth the uh like the 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 theory base for 
Marx's ideas on, you know, humans and animals and humans and nature and mm -hmm. stuff like that. So they've been laying a lot of groundwork for, for that kind of stuff. So, uh, they put out a bunch of books that are not, uh, they're, they're like kind of academic books, but they're, they're like, I mean, they're, they're like social theory. So they're kind of dense, but they're written more accessibly, um, for larger audiences. And they don't, you know, it's not like a, a book where you have to like turn up, you know, through like hundreds of footnotes and citations and stuff. It's written in a more like essay style that you can just read straight through. Nerd. Um, I'm yeah. just kidding. That sounds very, uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. yeah, I've just been doing that. So nice. Um, so I've been doing the opposite of that. I was reading a lot for a little bit and then I was like, what am I doing? So I just started watching <laughs> garbage, um, but not all garbage. Some of it's very good. So I finally watched normal people. Oh which yeah. Sure. I'm just going to say is the horniest show on the internet <laughs> and I'm including porn. <laughs> it is so horny. Uh, yeah. having said that it is so good and like beautifully shot, beautifully acted, but my God, I was like, why is everybody talking about this show? And then I was like, Oh, I get it. Cause everybody's really sexually fr frustrated. Not everybody. A lot of people are very <laughs> sexually frustrated in quarantine, but I was like, why would you watch the horniest show on the internet to frustrate yourself <laughs> right. even further? Like watching it, I was just like, so sad watching it. Cause I was like, when is the next time people are going to be able to like go on dates or like feel safe hooking up? Like it just feels like it's never going to go back to normal. So I, I had a very complicated relationship watching normal people. I really enjoyed it, but I think I cried through like three fourths of it <laughs> <laughs> and like not even the sad parts <laughs> like, right? Just, when they just like got naked together. I was like, it's never going to happen again. <laughs> We're all gonna be we're all gonna be doing the uh, that scene from the Naked Gun where they wear those <laughs> yeah. body condoms. Exactly, that's just like life now. <laughs> I, so I yeah. do recommend it, even though like they do that trope of like a very pretty actress being like I'm ugly, and it's like, oh, are okay. you or do you just have unfortunate bangs? <laughs> right. Because I think you're a very pretty girl. Uh, yeah. So like they do have a little bit of that, but. I, I'm going to forgive normal people because the rest of the show is so strong. Nice. I'm only, I don't think I've ever watched it. I, I think I've maybe have seen an episode, but never like delved into normal it. People? You don't know if you've seen normal people. I think I watched an episode one time, but I don't, I'm not. It's uh, new. Like it just came out. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of something else. Yeah, you might be. It's on yeah, I, I, de I, I definitely have not watched it then. Um, it's two Irish actors. So if you mm. didn't hear Irish accents, you were not watching <laughs> normal people. Uh, now we find out the real reason you watched it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> just like a bunch of hot Irish people. I was like, yeah. yes, Lord. Um, yeah. And they truly found every attractive Irish person in Ireland. It's <laughs> like, listen, I'm not going to talk shit about my own people, but it's not like we have like per capita, the most <laughs> hot people in the world, but they found every single one for that show. So good on them. Um, also, I have now reached the point in my journey of watching Survivor that I have started to make people rewatch seasons with me. So I made Chloe, uh, my roommate, start rewatching season seven, my favorite season mm -hmm. with me. And they're enjoying it very much. Um, but yeah, I I'm that obsessed now where I'm like. 
evangelizing on behalf of Survivor, where I was like, oh, my God, you got to check out season seven. So I'm officially insufferable. Nice. How far have you gotten into the actual show? In my personal journey with Survivor, I have just started season 11. Oh, okay. Um, and Chloe watched it in a weird way where they started with like season 30. And we're, <laughs> so we're like <laughs> approaching it from opposite ends. They're working mm-hmm. their way backwards. I'm working my way forward. Um, but yeah, what a journey. I now so- like... Here's how I feel like Jeff Probst is collectively our father and also <laughs> the biggest villain in the world. <laughs> that like I go back and forth where I'm like daddy probes and then sometimes I'm like ooh that motherfucker. So do I don't you like know. to do you like to do what I do which is imagine that he's like a rogue billionaire that's making all these people do this and then watching them from like yeah. some kind of god cam like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. We're all in Jeff Probst's dream right now. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote, yeah, I remember I, it's funny because Survivor, I must have been in sixth grade, I think, when the original Survivor season one came on. And you're I remember not allowed to use math against me ever again <laughs> on this show. You're never allowed to tell me how old you were ever. Yeah. <laughs> Just was in, forward. So, you know, yeah. you're skating on thin ice currently. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Um, but yeah, I was in, I, I must have been in sixth grade. But uh, stop it. Stop it. But anyway, the point is, uh, I watched the first season because it was like a big deal. Because it was like the first, maybe not the first, but it was definitely the most hyped, like, first. It was like, huge. And like, reality. I forgot about it because, like, when you watch the the grand finale of the show, they do that multi-broadcast thing where they show, like, cities all around the world watching Survivor. And it's like, oh, yeah, it was, like, a global event. Yeah, and that we didn't have – there was nothing to compare it to. It was like that was the it was like the first of its kind where everybody's like, wait, what? You're gonna put a bunch of people on an island and make them compete? Like, what the what the fuck is this? It's really crazy. Um, like, it, even me rewatching it, it did not occur to me until like season three, whatever season Australia was, where mm-hmm. one of the contestants fell into the fire and got like very very badly burnt. Yeah, it, like, yeah. Didn't occur to me until then where I was like, oh, they could die, and that's crazy. Like, I really want to look at the waiver everybody assigns. Because it must just be like they signed their life away where they're like, we actually can't sue you if anything happens to us. Yeah. And it was like kind of I mean, I think now it's like reality shows like reality game shows are kind of like, you know, it's kind of blase. There's been so many of them that now it's kind of like, okay, But when it premiered, it was kind of like, whoa, this is crazy. Like, this is like a radical idea. And yeah, I just remember being super popular and I actually, it's funny because I, the reason I say that is because I, uh, the Jeff Probst thing is because I, I wrote a short story as a sixth uh, grader about, about the, basically the premise was Survivor, except it's not a TV show. So like Lord of the Flies? Yeah, but like, it, he, but it was a billionaire telling everyone it was a game show, but it actually wasn't a game show. It was oh, just him. It was just him. It was just him for his own amusement, making people like do this Island thing. (laughs) In sixth grade, you were like, what if survivor, but terrible and terrifying. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What if, 
But also, also in my defense, shows a healthy distrust of rich people at a young age. That is true. That is very true. Uh, little Eric was woke. Yeah, yeah. By the way, that's Lil L I L apostrophe. Lil Eric. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Well, woke. Eric, very woke. Very, very into class warfare. For sure. Uh, so here's my next recommendation. And it's not really a hot take because I think it's objectively good. But I was so self conscious that I couldn't even shout it out in public. And then I felt like, why am I afraid of saying that this is good? I don't know. I got very in my head about it. Guys, the trailer for King of Long Island is great. It's great. Uh, what is the King of Long Island? Oh, you actually, I thought that pause was you, like, judging me. No, 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 no. <laughs> With angry it? silence. It's the Pete Davidson movie uh, by oh. Judd Apatow. Why did I think it was the King of Staten Island? Oh, wait, is it? It might be King of Staten Island. You're right. I don't know. I saw the trailer for the Pete Davidson movie. I will say that much. Oh, okay. Let me... Oh, you're right. It's Staten Island. Of course it's Staten okay. Island. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's so good. Yeah, the trailer looks good. I, I, I was think it looks great. I think, like, casting Bill Burr as the stepdad is fucking what, the best I, casting of all time. When I saw fucking Bill Burr show up, I was like, you got it. This is so good. This is going to be so good. Just letting him be a fucking, like, Staten Island D-bag. Like, oh, so good with that cool fucking age. mustache. Yeah. Chef's <laughs> but, kids. It looks good. It looks good. I mean, it's like, you know, it's clearly, like, a vehicle for Pete Davidson. But, you know, it, and it... but. When it first came on, it was kind of like, I think I had the same thing where when I first, I, it, it was probably like on YouTube or something, but it was like the, when I, when it first like played, you know, for something I was watching, I, like as soon as it popped up and I saw it was like Pete Davidson, I was like kind of eye rolly. I was like, okay. Totally. hundred percent. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. But then it played and I was like, oh, actually this looks pretty good. <laughs> it looks really good. He looks good in it. I think it's, it's really clever because it allows him to stay in his lane in like an interesting way. The only thing. I don't really get is the 9-11 erasure because <laughs> like Pete Davidson's father very famously was killed. Uh, I was wondering during 9-11 and it seems like at least from the trailer, they have changed it to his father died in a fire, which, okay, whatever. But then why have Steve Buscemi in the movie with this cameo? Cause Steve Buscemi, again, very famous for, like supporting firefighters during 9-11, like being at the firehouse, you know, like was very like visible, was volunteering during 9-11. Everyone's going to be thinking about 9-11 every time you talk about this, but they're not going to say it was 9-11. Like that to me, it feels like it's going to be a huge distraction. That's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching it. Because I was like, you, you see the trailer and you're like, OK, it's Pete Davidson. His father has died. It's like, okay, clearly this is about 9-11. Steve Buscemi's there. Like, it's just like, they never bring it up. And it's like, what the hell? Like, Well, why the only we thing I can think is like, they didn't want to seem like they were profiting from 9-11 or like mentioning it or exploiting it, which I get. But then don't have the dad die at all. Because like, that's the, the thing everybody's going to be thinking about. Because this him, is a true thing that happened. Or if you're not, if you're going to change it, just make him not a firefighter right make up some other civil servant like like pete davidson's dad was literally a firefighter yeah like oh <laughs> it's wild to me 
And also it's, I don't know, like to me, that's one of the more interesting things about his backstory where it's like, holy right. shit, your dad died. And like, that's a huge, interesting thing about Pete Davidson <laughs> that explains all of his behavior since then. Like this dude has been right. like endured, like so much trauma and was self-medicating and like, this is why Pete Davidson is Pete Davidson. And like, when you erase it, it's sort of like, oh, okay. But even having said all that, I, I still think it looks like an entertaining, funny movie. It looks good. Also, I had a moment when I was watching that trailer, similar to the moment you had watching normal people, which is like, I was watching that trailer and just be like, oh, remember New York? Oh my God. I know. Anytime, like I've been watching, going outside um, of New York. <laughs> I was recently forced to watch, but ended up enjoying the remake of high fidelity. I guess I oh, should okay. recommend that as well. Um, it slipped my mind, but uh, Zoe Kravitz plays um, the, the main character, Rob. Um, and at first I was very like eye about it. Cause I, I really don't like this pink washing shit of we're rebooting stuff that's already been done, but it's a lady. Cause usually right. what ends up happening is they don't write, a female character they write a male character and have a woman play him which is bad <laughs> and like lazy writing right. and not good but high fidelity is really well done zoe kravitz is great the supporting actors are, are really really awesome it is shot on location in new york city and they like really have them in like bodegas and bars um they don't build like sound stages they're they're really in these places and it is making me miss the city so much, especially because yeah. Zoe Kravitz is the coolest person on the face of the earth. So every time you see her anywhere, I'm like, oh, look at you looking cool in New York City. I want to be there, Zoe Kravitz. I want to be right. Zoe Kravitz right now. Yeah. And you can't you can't be Zoe Kravitz right now. It's a pandemic. It. Yeah. I'm also I'd be interested to watch that show just because I think I'm not a huge fan of making TV shows out of movies. OK, so Sometimes let me like tell you, let me tell you, neither am I. The first few episodes are essentially the movie. And I was a little like, oh, boy, you know, where are they going to go with this? And then they start to do the thing where they jump perspectives of other characters. So, like, suddenly uh, her friend Simon, who works at the, the music store with her, we get to follow him for a day and, like, learn about his life. And suddenly the show just, like, opened up where I was like, oh, shit, mm -hmm. okay, this is actually quite interesting. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Cause like, I can't, I, I honestly, I can't remember any of the characters names from the movie, but like, you don't need to, but it's like, you know, if I was going to watch a TV show about high fidelity, I can't watch John Cusack just list list of things for 30 episodes. No. And like, <laughs> you know that I mean? is like, very like, uh, like I top five loves. I'm like, Oh man, I, I don't know if I can do this. Um, but it, it, it gets there. It finds its footing eventually. There are these moments where like they have her sit on the counter the same way that he sits on the counter in high fidelity. And it's like, Oh God. Okay guys. Okay. Let, <laughs> let's all calm down. We don't need to be that close to the source material, but right. I don't know. Like Zoe Kravitz is just so effortlessly cool that you kind of buy her as this character where it's like, yeah, that's just you. Like you're this like really cool, like a little bit of masculine and energy to you, but like it works, you know? Yeah. And I like, I like taking kind of a tangent off of high fidelity, but like, I think this movie gets panned, but I enjoyed it. Whatever. Uh, the movie fever pitch with Jimmy Fallon. Is, oh, I never saw. It's based off a Nick Hornby book, you know, similar to high fidelity, but it's, but, but 
you know, Nick Hornby writes this, you know, obviously he's English, so he writes about soccer and, and all this stuff, but they basically just took the idea of the book and some of the, you know, some of the structure and just made their own movie out of it. And I like adapting things in that way where it's like, you know, you, they have basic premises, basic character arcs. You can take that and make your own thing out of it. Mm, yeah. That's how, that's how I feel about adaptations. For sure. A little bit of a fun connection between the two. I forgot that Lisa Bonet was in the original High Fidelity and now her daughter, mm-hmm. Zoe Kravitz, is in the remake. So that's a cool connection or a sign of Hollywood's rotting narcissism. So <laughs> it's up to you guys. It's up to you guys how you feel about it. I was a little like, cool. And then I was like, gross. Uh, <laughs> so I went through both journeys with you. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Guys, that was a lot of recce Rex. Oh, do I have enough time to do one more? There are no rules. Sure, I do. Um, I know I've recommended this before, but I hadn't actually finished the, the entire series. You guys got to watch Better Call Saul. It's so fucking good. I think at this point it's better than Breaking Bad. And that's my recommendation. It's very good. And my boys in the new season. Uh, the new I'll season... Press- a friend of mine plays a, a a small character in the new season. Of Ooh, uh, in season six, what uh what character? He plays uh, a little uh, scumbag named Arlo. <laughs> okay, I have to go back and remember who Arlo is. I think it's I think it's like two episodes. I can't remember. It's either one or two episodes. It's like a a bit thing. But hold on, he's I'm in gonna sick. Arlo. I'm gonna do it now. <laughs> Better. Oh, he comes up right away. Arlo. Better call Saul. Yep. Okay, let's see image because I'm a visual learner. Let's see. Um, hmm. Int- oh, you know what? Yes, 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 yes. I remember. That's my uh, that's my friend Spencer. We uh, yeah, there he is. We went on tour uh last year together. He, yeah. from what I remember, he did a great job. I wasn't yeah, like. He's- you know, it never occurred to me once where I was like, look at Eric's friend fucking sucking in this show. He's not even a real actor. Like when right. I was watching it, I was like, look at that real actor doing a good job. Look at that guy convincingly being a scumbag. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's he's my also dream, gonna... by the way. If someone contacted <laughs> me and they were like, Allison, could you convincingly play a scumbag? I would be like, oh, my uh, God, let's do it. Uh, he's also going to be, and I think I can say this because it's on his IMDb, but he's also going to be in the... Um, uh, the the Sopranos sequel uh, prequel movie. Wow, big big for Spencer, huge yeah. for Spencer. Yeah. Isn't it weird when we see our friends like in stuff? Like so we weird. have this is not interesting for anyone except Eric and myself. But like Fred's career trajectory has just been like, what the <laughs> fuck is happening? We we have a mutual friend from improv who's now like in a movie with Amy Adams, and I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> Wait, who is that? I don't know. Fred, don't... little Fred. Oh, that's right. Yes. yes. Yeah. I, 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 I oh my god. That Fred. fucking like Rear Window uh, remake with oh, Amy Adams. Right. That oh, might my... have gotten shelved because of COVID, but hopefully it'll come out eventually. But I remember watching the trailer and I was like, "Wow, that guy looks like Fred." And then I was like, "Oh my god, it's Fred." <laughs> yeah, you freaked out and sent it to. I remember that now. You I freaked out fully it. freaked out. I sent it to everyone. Unbelievable. Um, Totally unbelievable. Okay, guys, that's enough recommendations. It's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here's your bad news. (music) 
arrogantly just said, I think I can guess what we're going to talk about. Uh, did you think it was Joe Biden? Because that's what we're going to talk about. <laughs> did you think I it was COVID? Assume- we're going to get there eventually, but it can't be all COVID all the time. I literally can't. I, mean, I, I have the hardest time processing that there's other news. Every well, time- there is. Every time there's some other story, I'm just like, what is, how, how is there news? So speaking of how, how is this happening right now? Let's talk about Joe Biden. Uh, He was on a a show with Charlemagne the God, which if you don't know who Charlemagne is, he's like one of the biggest DJ hosts in the country, but especially New York City and especially in the black community. Like, I I don't think I'm speaking out of terms by saying Charlemagne the God is huge in the black community. Um, And he was interviewing Joe Biden and uh, (laughs) Biden said... Oh, this this is on The Breakfast Club, I think, which is a huge show. This is on The Breakfast Club. Yep, yep, yep. Um, And he said... I'm trying to find the quote. Um... I just have his apology since he said oh, it. I think I, I think I actually have it memorized. Okay, I think go ahead. He, he uh, I forget the lead preceding sentences that Charlemagne says, but he basically goes, "If you can't decide whether to vote for me or for what he get, if you can't decide whether you're for me or for Trump, you ain't black." Cool. Uh, <laughs> so he immediately had to apologize. Uh, Just hours after he did that interview, he said, I should have not been so cavalier. I've never, never, ever taken the African-American community for granted. I shouldn't have been such a wise guy. Um, Or you could just say a dumbass, Joe. That's what you are. Um, Yeah. You know, I... I'm starting to realize that like it's kind of a boomer red flag anytime they say African American, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because like that is rapidly becoming an antiquated term because there's no way unless you personally know the origin of someone's ancestors that if a person is black that their ancestors came from Africa. So actually, yeah. like the more PC thing to do is to just say black. Um, but boomers like have not learned that. So I always it's a little cringy whenever they say African American. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, that's my my personal pet peeve. But anyway, uh, yeah, and people acting surprised about this where I'm like, this is Biden. Biden is a gaffe machine. And by the way, if you think this is bad, just wait. (laughs) Because, like, the more he has to say stuff in person, like, during COVID, everybody was like, where is he? What's happening? And I'm like, they are keeping him squirreled away so he doesn't say something fucking disastrous. He finally gets released into the wild, gets to do an interview, and this is the shit he says. (laughs) I think about him saying look fat at least once a day. Wait, what? So like, when he when he was at doing that town hall and the guy got up and and he was like weirdly like challenging him to a push-up contest and stuff and then he started a sentence and he was like look fat and then he changed it he's like <gasps> oh actually uh look man. Oh, I didn't know that. Did you know about this? Oh no. My God, so I yeah, mean, truly, calls- it's so hard to keep up with every stupid thing he says, because I feel like every time he speaks publicly, he says one dumb thing. I can't even imagine what is going to happen if he actually gets on stage with Donald Trump. And people are like, oh, Biden would destroy Trump in a debate. And I'm like, really? 
I, I don't feel confident in that at all. No, no. I, I tweeted the other day that I was going to start a GoFundMe for PTSD treatment for his comms department. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> Just, I hope he like, pays them well. Every time he goes on TV, they have to do damage control. That's literally, literally their whole job now is just like preparing press releases and doing damage control every time he speaks it's on and yeah when he gets if he gets on stage donald trump is just gonna like because you know obviously like donald trump has not held any sort of standard in terms of like professional communication his fans like it when he's like being a crazed lunatic so he's just gonna get up there and call joe like old and senile and like joe biden's just gonna go off the handle he's just gonna start like screaming at him yeah and the thing is like when when trump says something stupid and wrong it for his base it's like evidence that he's an everyman but as biden keeps saying stuff that is dumb and wrong it just like diminishes his value more and more among people who like care if the the president is a smart capable person right well and all of his references for like he's trying to be an everyman and like all of his references, like he, like when he was telling all those stories about being like a pool guard and corn pop and all this stuff, oh, and there was God. like, what, what, like He's that's so his version of embarrassing. Uh, and like, uh, I, I like have to sometimes like interact with like older boomers who love him, and it's just like brutal. <laughs> it's like <laughs> me constantly trying not to roll my eyes. Um, but anyway, listen, and like that's not me shitting on people because I also know people are trying to work themselves up so they'll be excited to vote for him because Trump is a fascist nightmare. And, and they're like, we have to get excited to support Biden, to vote for him, blah, 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 blah. My whole feeling about it is, listen, anybody but a fascist, right? Of course, yeah. duh. I will vote for Biden if I have to. It's going to suck because there's so much I disagree with him on and stuff that we don't even have time to get in. Like the, did you see his policy page where he basically was like, Palestinians need to watch themselves and shit. Like awful, awful. Like there's so much about him that I absolutely detest, but it's like, if those are my two options, of course I'm going to vote for the not fascist. Um, But don't ask me to get like fucking jazzed about Joe Biden. Like the fact that they were like, are you guys not excited enough yet? What if Amy Klobuchar was the vice president? It's like, who is this for? I was when they when that came out that she was being vetted, I was like, you literally like picked the the other candidate that people were least excited about in the whole Democratic primary field. And I know who it's for. It's for like Midwestern moms who are like, you know, like it, it's for a certain type of quote unquote liberal. Um but it's just watching it happen in real time is like I'm I like can see the youth vote dropping off. But my thing with that is like with all those like Midwestern people, like they're going to the vote don't mean for to Biden. Just say, I don't mean to just say Midwest, but you know what I mean? That was like shorthand. No, no, no. I get that. But like it's it's like, yeah, but there's so much crossover between their bases. Like who who's it for? Like who are you converting that wasn't going to vote for you already? I guess exactly. would be my thing. Yeah. You, you know, it's like you're not going to win any like no like Midwestern like centrist or like or like fence sitter voters are going to vote based on Amy Klobuchar. They're either going to vote for Trump or they're not going to vote for Trump. And so, like, you're not swinging any people with that vote, you know, Um, even uh, and I think the smarter move, obviously, would be like, even though I have my disagreements with her, like picking someone like Elizabeth Warren, because that gets you a part of the base that is not excited about you. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. But now we have like the most vanilla of vanilla and it's like, oh God, I'm going to have to go risk getting exposed to COVID to vote for this ticket. Like, fuck me, you know? I, I will say the one positive, I would like to see Amy Klobuchar throw a stapler at Mike Pence. I think she would destroy him in a debate. <laughs> I like, that's the debate that I would actually like probably watch. And that's not to say that I think Amy Klobuchar is like awesome or I, she's just like the right amount of aggressive, I think to like really destroy him in a debate. And that would be nice to watch. And physically aggressive. If need and be. physically, <laughs> yeah, like, and physically would force him to submit, which is very <laughs> exciting for all of us. And actually would probably be pretty exciting for Mike Pence too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I think he'd like that. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, guys also in bad news, um, Oh yeah, I wanted to talk about Pottery Barn. Oh and... no, I don't know the story. Okay, what well, I'll, Pottery Barn? I'll give you a little summary. So, former US Representative Scott Stone, who's a Republican from North Carolina, lost his shit on Twitter on Friday after spotting a local Pottery Barn's announcement that they were now open from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. by appointment only. <laughs> Retailers, of course, are slowly opening in North Carolina after lockdown measures shuttered most businesses, Pottery Barn among them. Still, the coronavirus pandemic, as we know, is far from over, and stores are trying to use capacity limits and other measures to permit social distancing. So one way of doing that, obviously is by having appointment only hours. So representative Scott Stone loses it. And he tweets, love how lefties are so worked up. Oh, sorry. So that was in response to everybody uh, freaking out. So the original tweet was dear pottery barn. And he adds them and other retailers. I am not shopping by appointment. You're allowed to be open. So be open. And why close at five when the mall is open until seven? Do you actually want to sell anything? And then everybody, of course, flipped out on him. So he said, love how lefties are so worked up about my last tweet, which highlights the frustrations so many have about how slow North Carolina economy is reopening, slower than most states. Maybe they believe government should continue to write checks forever and keep the entire economy closed. Yep. Yep. Yeah, to the second point, yes. Yes, uh, Scott, yeah. just to be very clear, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, nobody's upset about Pottery Barn. Nobody, <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody. And also, like, you're allowed to set your own hours as a business. And, like, this is just such the weird, like, it really is showing off, like, how conservative people view the service industry and the retail industry, which is like, it's not like an industry or a business. It's like, you are here to serve me at my whim. That yeah. is, that is, that is your duty is to serve me in a way that I want. Uh, somebody made this point online and I'm very sorry. Cause I, I can't remember where I saw it and I don't want to like crib their point, but I just want to make it clear. This is not my original thought. 
someone made the point that it's almost like white people were going in withdrawal from not being able to yell at service workers. Because, <laughs> like, why are you so what do you miss about the experience of going into like a KFC so much that you're willing to like scream at people and like get into a fist fight? Like, what about it? Um, right. And it and might some- be that sort of like role playing of, well, I get to shit on somebody for a while. <laughs> Right. And somebody else made the point again. I don't remember who it's one of those things that gets passed around so much that you kind of forget who, unfortunately, I wish I could remember, but, um, but somebody else made the point, like people are not protesting to work as waiters and servers, but people Uh are protesting to have waiters and servers. Yeah. And essentially in that case, what you're doing is you're protesting for a human sacrifice because Mm -hmm. like you're, you're demanding that these service workers who make very little money, be exposed to dangerous conditions because it would be like a pleasant brunch for you, you know, like, and that's really fucked up. You're a bad person. And I will say, uh, I was talking to somebody about this, but I will say to the degree which people are protesting to work to the degree that that exists. I mean, I think it makes sense because again, uh, I think we talked about this last time I was on the show, but if you're going to, close businesses, make people distance, slow economic activity in a capitalist system where it costs money to get food, you have to provide people with money. Right. And so far we've gotten the worst of both worlds, which is that we have no economic activity and also no income from Mm -hmm. the government. You know, uh, they've botched everything that they've done. The stimulus rollout was botched. The unemployment has been awful. Um, you know, uh, I'm one of the very lucky people that hasn't had to go through it, but I know you have, and other people have, and I have, I'm, I'm currently like on my way out of it because I, you know, luckily just got hired as a producer, but I, I'll say this, like it, it was fully a nightmare getting on unemployment and made me just be like, man, it is so, so hard to be poor in this country. The shit they make you do just to survive is wild, yeah. but But once I got on it, I was like, why do we not have a universal basic income? Because suddenly not having to worry about how I was going to pay my rent was like, oh, so I just have rent paid for now. So I guess I can like support local businesses now. Like I immediately started just being like, okay, so I now have money where I can put it back into the economy. And then I was like, why don't we just do this all the time? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And don't give me the shit that we can't do it because it's like we already give massive tax cuts to billionaires. So let's just like give them slightly less money so everybody can have a basic minimum wage or I'm sorry, a universal basic income. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's so easily doable and it would, you know, make situations like these much easier uh, to weather uh, and, you know, we wouldn't have all these problems. Like I like I said, I, I think I'm, you know. I think we're in for a huge impact once we reopen because a lot of like, because the thing is like, you know, rents and mortgages are not frozen, but evictions are. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people that can't afford their place are not being kicked out. But as soon as we reopen, they will be. Yeah, Uh, we're, we're dealing with that right now. We had a third roommate who unfortunately, because of everything that happened, uh, she couldn't work. So she couldn't afford a rent. So she moved out. So currently we are now just like, acquiring her back rent. So we're going to have to deal with that when this is all over. Um, but 
Yeah, it's sort of like we're in this weird limbo period right now where everybody's like, why doesn't this feel worse? Like, shouldn't it feel worse? Like, when is the other shoe going to drop? And I, when that when that comes due, that's going to be bad. <laughs> there's that. And there's I mean, so many businesses furloughed those workers. And mm-hmm. I think, the lo- you know, they're going to probably realize when this opens that they may not be able to keep going. Um, yeah, it might that. Not- that I'm having a hard time, like still processing. Like <clears throat> I, I still have this like sort of denial part of my brain where I'm like, man, when this is all over, I'm going to go to this restaurant. I'm going to go to this bar. And I still have to remind myself where I'm like, they're not going to be there. Yeah. They very well may not be. I mean, you know, luckily some businesses have been able to take a hit, but weather the storm through takeout or whatever, but there's going to be a wave of closures Yeah. Uh, of all types of businesses, service businesses, different companies, you know, once they reopen, I mean, there's going to be a massive reorganization of the economy. It just hasn't hit yet because we're kind of still frozen. Yeah. And, uh, I kind of foresee like this big wave coming as soon as we reopen and people start evicting people who are laid on rent, uh, because they didn't freeze the rent. Um, it's just fucking wild that they didn't freeze the rent. And I like, I'm not surprised or anything, but I'm just like, how, how do you think this is sustainable? I really like when you think about it, it is so massively insane that they stopped economic activity, which is good. They should have. Yes. They, were, they needed to stop. You know, st- they needed to shelter in place, socially distance. They needed to do all this stuff. But they they halted, you know, a, a big chunk of economic activity. And then they did not give people money <laughs> to make up for that economic t- activity that they lost. And then they made them pay rent. Well, we we got the one-time twelve hundred dollars stimulus, and then they were stimulus. like, they were like, "You're welcome," and everyone was like, "Um, this is one month rent." Where at least in New York City, it's like, "Where are you going? Where are you going?" That was one month. We need more. <laughs> right, exactly. You know, it's like you got. Oh, and but the thing is too is like a lot of people didn't even get it. A lot and that of people, was totally you, fucked up. Yeah, yeah. If you didn't have, I read a, a report that like if you didn't have direct deposit set up, they are just now setting up the plan to send people paper checks for the stimulus. And some people are not going to get it till July or August. Yeah. The only reason I knew what to do is other people had been like, yo, you got to go to the IRS website and put your address in there. Cause they might not have it on record. And I was like, Oh, they for sure. Cause I don't get money back from the government. Right. I always owe the government. I was like, for sure. They don't have my direct deposit information because <laughs> right. they've never given me anything. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, totally I'll- fucked. A lot of people have not gotten it. Some people are still processing their unemployment claims. I mean, it's no. just a fucking dog shit system. It's a nightmare. And and like I said, it's just the worst of all worlds. If you need people to stay home, you have to pay them to stay home because we live in a capitalist economy where people need money to buy food. And so it's just like this insane system they set up and they completely botched it. And now all these people are going to be out of their houses once this reopens. I mean, I, I really think it's going to be an issue. Um, I should probably use this moment to thank everybody who's still supporting the show. Uh, if you're a fan of the show, you can go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button, or you go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. If you uh, become a supporter over there, you can send questions, comments, recommendations that will answer on the show, read on the show. And yeah, I just wanted to thank everyone. Cause like, I know this is a really hard time for everyone and the show only exists because of your support. So, you know, whether you're a $5 a month member, $50 a month member, 
you uh, are keeping us afloat and during the worst time imaginable. So I really, really <laughs> appreciate it. I, I like am so grateful and amazed that people are still supporting the show. It's very cool. And like signing up now during <laughs> COVID. I'm like, Incredible. wow, that's so cool. Um, and also you are supporting any guest host I have as well because um, I pay guest hosts. So they appreciate it as well. Um, but back to Pottery Barn. Can't you order from Pottery Barn online? I believe you can. I would, I would be surprised if you couldn't. So, like, what's the deal, Scott? Like, if you need that vase, that's all I know about Pottery Barn. They have vases. <laughs> if you need mm -hmm. the vase so badly, go on fucking line, order it, and it gets delivered to your house. Listen, Allison, I need to wander around Pottery Barn. I need to touch everything. Oh, my God. I retweeted myself from two years ago because I tweeted that I was uh, at a Target. And I tweeted, just so you guys know, I touched all the towels at Target. And I retweeted <laughs> it. And I was like, enjoy it, you sweet angel. Because I'm not going to be touching it random things in Target for a while. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, unbelievable. I, so, did I ever, have, oh, have I ever told you that uh, it's just a stupid point, but like I, I didn't know Pottery Barn was a real store until like five years ago. Did you, what did you think it was like a made up TV thing? Yes. I thought Pottery Barn was a made up sitcom store that they From used. Friends as, specifically? <laughs> yes. Well, I saw it on Friends. I think I saw it somewhere else too. And I just assumed it was like. You know how they use 555 for every phone number? It's like they need to make up, you know, there's got to be like a random store you can reference. And so Pottery Barn was like the sitcom TV store. I love that you thought it was like a legalese thing where it's like, well, we can't say a real business name. We <laughs> yeah, got to exactly. make it up. What's a dumb name? Pottery Barn. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's Yeah, that's pretty much it. Like, what's the dumbest sounding t store we can think of? It's a barn <laughs> of pottery. It's Pottery Barn. Um, so this is Eric's favorite time of the bad news section. I'm going to talk about COVID, which Eric has yes. been waiting for me to do. So New York City is investigating 145 possible cases of a potentially deadly syndrome linked to coronavirus. Um, the news came after the feds confirmed that the condition it's calling multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children or MISC is tied to COVID-19. So um, the disease is just called miscellaneous. Basically. Uh, <laughs> the syndrome has killed one five-year-old boy in New York City and two other children statewide. Um, these numbers are almost certainly uh, underreported. I was talking to a doctor, a friend of mine, and she was like, um, no way are these numbers right. Um, so while COVID-19 primarily attacks the lungs, PMIS causes inflammation in different parts of the body. Symptoms include persistent fever, irritability or sluggishness, abdominal pain, diarrhea, vomiting, rash, red or pink eyes, enlarged lymph node gland on neck, red cracked lips or red tongue and swollen hands and feet, which sounds like the COVID toes some people are getting. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, really, really scary phase because a lot of people were comforting themselves by saying, oh, this primarily only affects older people, even though we were seeing more and more cases of like 20 year olds, 30 year olds. Uh, my friend who almost died from it is like in her early 20s. 
um, a lot of people were like, well, at least it's not killing kids. And now there's like this new phase of COVID where it's like, oh, no, it is affecting children as well. Yeah, I would imagine probably there was a lot of cases that didn't get reported as this because it was just like, you know, kid comes in with a respiratory problem. They check for COVID. It's not COVID. It's just like, okay, well, you have a respiratory infection or whatever and send them home, Um, especially when hospitals are getting slammed, you know, for so long with Mm -hmm with patients. Um, cause I originally had read a story and I think at first they thought it, uh, there was like a wave of Kawasaki's disease or whatever right, it's called, right. Kaw- Kawasaki syndrome. Um, uh, and I, I think it's not that I think it's this thing. I think they realize it's not the exact same thing. It's this, this thing. Well, that's what's um, so, so scary about this. Like they're figuring it out, you know, like right. they're, they don't even know what it is. It's so in the, the neurological aspects of it are so frightening. I think that is one of the weirder times about what we're living in now. It's like, it's, I don't think people deal well with that. I, as much as people don't trust authority and don't trust doctors, it is very dis, not disheartening because it's not their fault, but it's very like scary when something is going around and doctors are like, look, we don't know. We're trying to figure it out. Yeah, I know I've mentioned this before on the show, but like hands down the scariest moment (laughs) for me hearing a doctor talk about it was removing the blood clot from someone's brain and seeing another one form in real time. And he was like, I have never seen that happen before. Yeah. That is like, what the fuck? What the fuck is this? Right. Not to not to like create hysteria or freak people out, but just like to remind people, because the next story I wanted to talk about in addition to, you know, some states reopening beaches and people rushing into parks. Um, Trump deemed churches and places of worship essential services. So churches are going to be reopening everywhere. Um, and I wanted to talk about this case in Arkansas. Um, COVID-19 cases first contracted by a pastor and his wife ended up spreading to 35 others who attended events at the rural Arkansas church that resulted in three deaths, um, a report revealed on Friday. An additional 26 cases in the community occurred among people who had contract who had contact with those who had participated in the church events, according to the study by the Federal Center for Disease Control and Prevention. One of them also died. Um, so yeah, like a lot of people are going to be rushing back into places of worship. And it's like, we don't even understand what this thing does yet. Um, And it just is absolutely going to end in tragedy. I just don't, I don't fucking get what people don't understand about an infectious disease. Like, yeah, we don't know everything about COVID-19. We don't know exactly how it spreads, blah, blah, blah. But but like a virus doesn't give a shit about what you want to do. Mm -hmm. Like a, a virus doesn't care that you feel better for going to church. I get that it's hard for some people and people are really attached to their church, but like, yeah. a vi- like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you want to do something. Yeah. That's my whole thing. Like I get that people are lonely. I know that in some places, like the church is like the hub of all activity. You miss your friends. I get that. Isn't God everywhere? Because if God is everywhere, just pray at home. Like God will understand God made the virus, right? <laughs> God is punishing us right now for some reason. Um, but whatever you believe, like, you know, God doesn't care that you're, you're in a specific building or not just stay home and pray. Yeah. It's just like, I don't like, I don't know. It's just, people just don't, 
there's this whole thing of just like, oh, well, I get that we need the lockdown, but I specifically need to do this thing. It's like, you really don't. You really, really don't. That yeah. People need to live. And, you know, the thing is, people are going to have to go outside. Some people are going to have to work that, you know, we need people, you know, for what economic transactions are happening. We do need people to work. So we have to do everything we can to mitigate the people that don't absolutely have to interact with other people. And yeah, that, that's what gets me about this whole reopening thing and these protesters and stuff. Just like I get that you want to do all this stuff. I do, too. But it's like just because you want to do something doesn't mean you're not going to get COVID. Like, and I think it, I think it does go back to what we were talking about at the top of the episode, which is so many parts of rural America have been protected from the effects of COVID so far. It, it, they have not experienced what we've experienced in New York and specifically in Brooklyn, which is the worst hotspot in the country. Um, like we get it because we've seen what's happening, but for like people in, in smaller communities, they're like, this is overblown. This is overhyped. And it's so sad that they're not going to learn their lesson until like all of their friends die. Yeah, I mean, what? Yeah, it's like you know, a virus spreads from person to person. So if nobody from with the virus has made it to your town, then you're not going to get it. Well, what happens when we reopen and they come? Like, you know, what happens when people start flying and traveling again? Well, you know? what happens, Eric, when somebody from fucking Arkansas comes to New York again to go to like Times Square and the whole thing starts all over again? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And like I said, we don't know what is going to be like we've never we haven't had enough time to see a second wave in other countries so it's like we have no idea if this is going to mutate and come back and then you know it's just going to be a time bomb all over again and every time somebody flies to new york and gets off the plane and goes into a you know a place with you know 10,000 people in it it's just going to spread all over again and if it's if it is like the flu i mean you know the reason we get flu shots is cuz the flu changes every year and so and so it's just going to keep and the flu kills 30,000, 40,000 people a year. If this spreads faster and kills more people than the flu and it just keeps mutating every year. I mean, we're looking at, you know, low estimate 50, 60,000 a year deaths. If, if we keep getting these waves, I mean, we just don't know. We have no clue. And so mm-hmm. people are just being so cavalier about, you know, reopening and just acting like nothing bad is going to happen. Well, on that note, everyone, that's quite enough of the bad. Let's end things on a good note. Here's your good news. That we didn't get to make fun of John Krasinski, but, um, oh, well. Long story short, you guys, long story short, I know this is a good news section, but John Krasinski sold his show, uh, Some Good News, which actually was good. I I saw some episodes of it, but he sold it to Viacom. So (laughs) if anybody thought anything good and pure could still exist (laughs) in the world, you were wrong. Okay. That show show should have just been called John Krasinski Has Famous Friends. I mean, that's essentially what it was. But my God, does he have famous friends? And it was so, <laughs> so fun to see all of them in uh, yeah. one place. And also he is married to um, the effervescent Emily Blunt. And mm-hmm. she is just mm-hmm. the most charming woman on the face of the earth. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so I am putting this story in the good news section. Um, it was everywhere on social media. I'm sure you've all seen it already, but it made me so happy. 
Elon Musk, who is the dumbest human being alive, uh, tweeted, take the red pill and then weirdly put the flower, the rose emoji, whatever. Um, <laughs> and then Ivanka Trump, the second dumbest person in the world, retweeted him and said, take in. And then Lily Wachowski comes in, swoops in like a superhero and retweets it and says, fuck both of you. Which <laughs> <laughs> so I love so much. And again, I retweeted it and I was like, Twitter is free. Can you believe it? Can you believe you got to see this interaction in real time for no money? It's so good. Um, also, the fact that weird right wing misogynists have really hijacked the matrix which was written and directed by two transgender women remains like one of the weirdest cultural moments ever. Yeah. It's very strange. It's very, very strange and um, so inappropriate. It's so funny too. Cause like, I kind of wish we could force all of the matrix weird fanboys to watch sense eight, which was also done by um, not both Wachowski sisters, maybe just Lily. I forget actually um, that might not be right, but one of the Wachowski sisters um, made sense eight and sense eight is truly about like, what if empathy was a superpower and we didn't have <laughs> sexual or gender hangups and we could just like fuck whoever we wanted to fuck and not feel weird about it. And it's like total sexual and gender liberation. And it's, from the creators of the matrix. So it's like, I wish they would all have to watch that and learn a little bit about empathy as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The red pill thing is so strange and they, they've adopted this movie as their calling card without any, like without any interrogation of the people that made it or the, the like what the point of the movie was, you know, it's just like, they just took this one line from the movie and just like have run with it as their whole identity. And now people like Elon Musk are taking it. It's just like I, anything bad that happens to Elon Musk is good news. Good. Oh, good for and me. I didn't even add this, but his mother-in-law dragging him on Twitter was also pretty <laughs> phenomenal. Everybody hates Elon Musk. I'm sure his baby hates him. Like the baby just came out and he's probably like gross. Oh, um, when the baby grows up and finds out what his name is, oof, it's all over. <laughs> I hate you, Dad. You can already hear the conversation. Um, but yeah, his mother-in-law was basically like, I don't know, if I just had a baby, maybe I wouldn't be uh, like posting this ridiculous shit online. And people were like following up with her and they were like trying to get more information out of her because they were like, maybe she's not talking about Elon. But then she specifically responded with like, your baby's two and a half weeks old. Like it was so clearly <laughs> aimed at Elon, which is amazing. I did not know that Grimes's mom, I'm sorry, I don't have her name in front of me, but Elon Musk's mother-in-law, who is now famously dragging him online, is like a very accomplished journalist and like a liberal journalist. Right, right, right. Um, so smart woman. And <laughs> yeah. apparently she she has said that she likes Elon, which whatever, but she's just very pissed off about that. He's like running his mouth on Twitter when Grimes just like from all the reports we've seen had like a pretty difficult pregnancy and like it was not easy for her. So maybe you shouldn't be online running your mouth, dude. Elon Musk is a great case study in like what happens to a person's brain when they just never uh, uh, like 
face any hardship in their life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like you just watch like his brain work, and you're like, dude, like you can't like like nothing bad has ever happened to this man, and, <laughs> and he just like everything that comes to his brain. I mean, tw- there's been two different instances where he's tanked his stock prices by just tweeting mm-hmm. like by billions of dollars. And, it's just and the like, fact that he still has fanboys who are like, he's just a genius. It's like, how do you believe? I really think these pathetic losers think that if they tweet at Elon Musk, he's going to give them a job, which is like <laughs> so delusional and sad. But like, truly, what else do you get from propping up a billionaire? Like, what do you think you get out of that? Right. And yeah, and just like. Uh, there's a whole class of, of dudes on the internet that just like don't do anything and need to uh, I guess stand people who at least on the surface look like they're doing things so by the way they, he only has that yeah. company because he stole it from people who made it you know that mm-hmm. right do they oh, yeah, know yeah. the history of Tesla at all Elon Musk did not make that company Elon Musk basically litigated his way into getting his name on that company but smart mm-hmm. people made tesla and he fired them <laughs> yeah and she's like i don't know it's just like like what's your project like we already had we already had space exploration <laughs> so you're just doing it again well did you see eric they have a big mission coming up that they just announced no oh, i didn't i can't uh, wait to hear about it it's gonna be very exciting we're all gonna watch it online um anyway I, I'm also putting in the good news section the fact that Tuca and Birdie is coming back. Uh, Adult Swim bought Tuca and Birdie, which again, I recommended everyone watch. Um, it was originally on Netflix. It was announced that they would not bring them back for another season. There was a big backlash against that. Um, and Adult Swim just announced that they picked it up. It will be back. Uh, if you don't know the backstory of Tuca and Birdie, it is animated by Lisa Hanawalt. She did the animation for BoJack Horseman, which has some of the most beautiful animation you'll ever see. Um, Tuca and Birdie is also beautiful and uh, voiced by Ali Wong and uh, Tiffany Haddish. Very funny, really insightful. Um, some of the best sort of uh, female perspective in an animation you'll ever see. And it's great. And you should watch it. Oh, Steven Yen also does one of the voices and he's phenomenal. Um, and yeah, I, it's, it's a great show and I'm glad it's getting a second life on Adult Swim. Yeah, that's really exciting. That is yeah. cool. It's a great show and uh, really well-deserved. Yeah. Um, also, I wanted to shout out And this will be our our last good news story. But we talked a lot about countries um, handling the outbreak the wrong way, at least here in the United States. But I wanted to shout out New Zealand, who, uh, at least according to this story, seems to have the right idea (laughs) about how to handle this. (laughs) Um, In New Zealand, they've successfully managed to mitigate the virus's first wave. Um, and social distancing is taken so seriously that uh, even the prime minister can't break the rules. <laughs> um, <laughs> so CNN reported that on Saturday, Prime Minister uh, Jacinda Ardern and her partner, Clark Gayford, were turned away from a cafe in Wellington that had hit its social distancing capacity. Last week, New Zealand gave the okay to open cafes and restaurants, provided they space out tables and keep low levels of capacity to comply with social distancing rules. 
Apparently, Gayford didn't consider that, <laughs> that this would make it harder to get into a cafe on a, on a weekend. And I'm sure was like, I'm with the fucking prime minister. <laughs> and they were turned away. They were like, you have to wait. And they eventually did get in. But I thought it was so great that they were like, nope, sorry. <laughs> we have rules. It's incredible reading stories from an actual functioning society. Yeah. Oh, uh, I mean, check this out. It took New Zealand a total of 49 days, 46 of which consisted of a nearly full lockdown to get new COVID-19 cases down to nearly zero. That's amazing. And yeah, I know like I... population differences, blah, blah, blah. Um, they have 4.9 million people. So it, obviously there are di differences, but 21 deaths. That's it. Right. And I mean, you know, it's very, it's, you know, pretty easy to lock down and make people socially distance when you have strong safety nets and, and people don't have to, people aren't worried about not surviving if they don't go to work. And you don't uh, have right wing lunatics who are like, I want to die to own the libs. Like the rationale of people, some people in this country, if you talk to anyone else in the world, they're like, your population has gone fully insane. And we're like, we know. Yeah. We know. We know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause um, it's just like, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, guys on that note, we're out of time. Please follow Eric on Twitter at E R E K underscore Smith. Listen to his podcast. Um, do you want to talk about your podcast? Yeah, sure. I have a podcast called based on a true story. Uh, it's just a podcast where I interview bass players cause I'm a bass player. Um, it's very fun. I get to nerd out with people, but it, uh, you know, we talk mostly about like their lives and their stories and stuff like that. And you can find that at, at, uh, on Twitter at based B A S S E D pod based pod. Um, and, uh, yeah, check it out. I think it's fun. Hell yeah. You want to promote anything else? Uh, no, I'm not really doing anything. <laughs> really? That's weird. That's weird, uh, Eric. You know everybody's writing their great American novel, great American screenplay right now? Yeah. You're not doing well, that? Well, I'm working on an academic paper, so I will send that to anybody <laughs> that wants to read it when I finish it, and it will be notes? very boring. Yeah. <laughs> uh, awesome. I Do I have anything to promote? I don't. Uh, just go to lighttreason.news if you are inclined to support the show or upgrade your support. Those are both great. Guys, you're the best. Thank you for all the support during these crazy times. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, we're everywhere on social media, but the best places to reach me are on Twitter, um, Instagram. You can leave comments, tweet me there, hashtag light trees and pod. We always love when you guys quote the show back to us, your favorite parts, because I've said this before, but we fully black out while we're recording this podcast and don't remember anything we said. So uh -huh. it's always nice to hear what you enjoyed. Um, yeah, guys, thanks so much for listening. And while you're at it, get out there virtually mm. online. I got to change the, the sign off for the show. <laughs> okay. Um, stay inside and cause a little trouble. <laughs> <laughs>